Cargo Cult is a production of Radio Nemo West. Cargo Cult is all about the movies, books, music, and moments that help shape the lifestyle of not only the trucking industry, but also the American obsession with being on the move. What if something just like jumps out in front of you and you have to stop? Don't. What was that? A Mazda. Host Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn engage in a wild, free-form discussion with folks from both the transportation and entertainment worlds. I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. It's a show that's all about the journey. So far, we're doing fine. Hadn't got caught. And now your hosts, Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn. Witness me! We don't need another hero. We just need to know the way home. I mean, it's kind of funny that for all the cheesiness of the third Mad Max movie, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. 85. That, um, you know, the idea that we talk about, um, we talked about Oedipus Rex just a couple of episodes ago. Um, by the way, Dave Bruckner is still with us. Hey, man, good hello, to see hello. you. Hello, Still here. Uh, Justin Wellborn, as always, is still with us. Sam and Russ are in the house here on Cargo Cult. Um, this, is, of course, is a SiriusXM streaming service. Uh, if you guys listen to Dave Nemo Weekends, you know me. I'm Jimmy Mack. I'm the host of Dave Nemo Weekends, your Weekend 34 with Lindsay Lawler. Double L, and also can be heard uh, on uh, Thursday and Friday on the Dave Nemo Show, keeping you informed about trucking. Speaking of trucking, we've been talking about trucking in regards to action movies over the last couple of days, particularly focused on Mad Max. Max Rockatansky, George Miller, the mad genius of Australia, who also created Happy Feet. Just want to put that and out babe. There. And, and Babe. And Babe. Babe and Pig in the City. And Lorenzo's Oil. Um, and, <laughs> and Witches Vswick. And this is a marvelous director Just of- what a bizarre grouping m- of films. That Mad Visions. Something that Mad Max and Happy Feet can live out of the same mind. You know, you know? it just basically he makes- That will do, Pig. He, that will do. There are a few people that make movies for people from 6 to 60 or from 7 to 70 or from 8 to 80. Uh, and George Miller is one of them. Uh, there are a lot of people who have got that sweet spot for boys and girls between 9 and 11. At the end of the day, I think all filmmakers are making movies for kids. And we say the idea is like, you know. Or the kid in them. The kid you, in you know, them. That, that, but that's the thing Tarantino talks about. I'm a, I want to make movies that that I want to see. I, I feel the same way about characters that I play or or um, theater that I do. I want to make theater that I would want to go into the theater and see, not something else. And most great filmmakers find the sweet spot of the kid they're making the movie for. I mean, we go back to Dark Knight, um, the Christopher Nolan film, the two boys in the back of the car who are actually shooting up cars only to watch one explode. That's Nolan's sweet sure, spot. Those are right, the kids right, that Nolan right. is making the movie for. It's him and his brother. I mean, if you really look at that moment in that movie, it really is him and uh, and Jonathan Nolan in the back of that car having a great time imagining all the movies that they will make together eventually. Um, Miller is one of those weird birds, though, that he manages to make movies for his 9 to 11-year-old self, for his teenage self, for his little kid self, for his adult self. Miller actually makes movies for every one of his developmental ages. At few people can make that claim. He makes movies for adults like The Witches of Eastwick sure, and Lorenzo's yeah, yeah, Oil. Yeah. He makes movies for children like Babe and Happy Feet. He makes movies for the 9 to 12-year-old in us all, which, of course, what most of the Mad Max movies are. <laughs> uh, Drive car real fast. See it explode. And, 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 and so when we, get, when we get to Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, what we're getting is he's actually introducing. He actually gives us one of those kids in Mad Max. 
Yeah, uh, he gives us the feral kid. kid. But then right. in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, he gives, he us, he just gives, gives us, us the kids. Um, he, he gives just, us all the kids. It's our gang. But it's it, our gang yeah. unleashed into the movie. And, <laughs> and I have to tell you this. There is something. I have to tell you, I you know remember going and seeing it uh, three or four times at the old Robert E. Lee movie theater on, um, on Canal Boulevard in the city of New Orleans. Going and seeing it two and three times, taking different friends and different dates, um, and really enjoying the hell out of the movie. Sure. I, I remember I, liking it when I, it first I, came out, and, going. And, the and I remember thinking, and then becoming a pretentious, you know, late twenty, early thirty something, and thinking this movie really isn't that good. And then kind of coming back around to it, and then being kind of deeply moved by it, and thinking it's a really sweet movie, and thinking that there is a lot of Miller's best self, his non-kinetic self, his deeply humanist self, really begins to kind of pour into this movie joyfully between Bruce Spence and his son's relationship, between the you know between the helicopter pilot and his son's relationship, between um the 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 the, the head of the tribe, the girl who runs the sure. tribe, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and all of those people, and then like Mad Max essentially becoming the father figure to all of these kids. Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome picks up the action after Mad Max. He is out there on the road. He ends up being involved with a group of kids who are looking for sanctuary, who are looking for a pilot to take them back to Captain where they Walker. come. Captain Walker to bring them back home. <laughs> the problem is I can sum the plot up as George Miller does. So I remember we said in Mad Max, the plot is two days ago, I saw a vehicle get all that tank. I want to get out That's of here. That's Road Warrior. That's yeah, Road yeah, Warrior. Yeah. Mad Max 2. Yeah, right? but in um, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, it's really simple. No, the, you won't. The first thing will come to is a is a slime hole called Barter Town. Yeah, and if yeah, the yeah. desert doesn't swallow you up, it will. Right. And that's right. the plot. There I'm it is. I'm reminded simple plots, complex worlds. Yeah, exactly. That's how you hit all ages. You know, it's that the, the driving narrative force is simple, easy to access. In this case, it's uh, it's quick. There's a sense of speed to it and momentum, but that the world, the backdrop to it is potentially complex. There's a lot to pick up. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's, that's right. the joy of an apocalypse right. film in a lot of ways is that you're often, especially if you have a road movie of sorts, is that you're driving by all of these different events. You're, you're, you're taking context from the world around it and you're painting a bigger picture in your mind and so you're you're oscillating constantly back and forth between the immediacy of the moment and the universe that they live in yeah max actually has his truck being hauled by camels you know during the movie uh at, at the very beginning and then we go to barter town and it's a lot like most eisley in star wars that all of a sudden it's just rich with all of these different kinds of characters and what the world has turned into the first movie seems about five to seven years after things have fallen apart Road Warriors, probably another 10 years after that down the line, even though these movies were only made a few years apart. And then Barter Town seems to be another, I don't know, 10 years after that. Max has got gray in his hair at this point. You know, he's he's an older nomad road warrior, and he, he seems to have settled into the role a, a, a lot more. Not necessarily just vengeance guy, but you got to be He's here, a survivor you know? now. Yeah, he's gone he's to Barter Town to barter. He's going know? to Barter Town yeah, to, to barter. get something. And he's become a survivor. And, right. um, and of course, we go back to what Dave's point was in the last episode, that despite the fact that he is so cynical, and so kind of survivalist in mentality, there's an inherent decency that often gets the, the John Huston moment, as I call it, where it's like, God damn it, I don't want to do the right thing, but I have to. And of course, the right thing that he has to do is when he realizes um, that he is enlisted by Tina Turner, who's terrific, by the way. She's the best thing in this movie. She is. Besides Mel Gibson as Max, in she my is, opinion. She's she so is, strong as she, anti-entity. Anti-entity. She gets it. She, 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 she's in a power-sharing agreement with Master Blaster, who is both a brilliant little person on top of a large, lumbering simpleton. 
and that's what Master Blaster is. And of course, Max is then kind of brought in to kind of pitched against them in the Thunderdome. In the Thunderdome to kind of change the balance of power to let Anti Entity actually seize control of the town. Except when the helmet pops off of Master Blaster, the Blaster side of it, he turns out to be a simpleton. He turns right, out to right, be right. a gentle And obviously, giant. not really knowing why he's having to do this. Yeah, know, a gentle. That he's being told and forced into it. A gentle giant, and right. there is something. This wasn't part of the deal. Right, right, and right. of he course, he can't really. You know, keep jumping around on his bungee cord with his chainsaw anymore. Yeah, and, and he, he and, needs to stop. And once Max realizes that there's something probably a lot more awful going on here, he attempts to kind of not weasel out of the deal. It wasn't the deal that he made. Right, right, he right. He was right. made to but believe, but they're not having it. They're not having it. Yeah. So they basically they they change the deal on him. They end up kind of um, banishing him out again. Yeah, they put this big like a uh, uh, head on top of him and just push him out into the desert to die. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So he ends up back with the kids. Right. Who right. end up kind of, you well, know. Well, they're the, they're the ones that take him in. They, they take, find him in the desert and they, they bring him back to their little paradise in the middle of, you know, the desert that they found. You know, there's water there and there's green and, and they're getting by. But they're waiting for, they're, they're a literal cargo cult. They, salvage. They, they they were kids that, that, that had. Uh, been part of a 747 crash in the desert and Captain Walker had, had saved them. And he and, looks like Captain and, Walker. And, and he, Mel Gibson's Mad Max looks like Captain Walker in this big cave painting that they've done. Uh, these, these weird, it, it's a bunch of weird white kids in, in a bunch of uh, sort of post-apocalyptic caveman stuff, you know, and they're speaking in this it's a very weird aboriginal sort of patois, well you know spielberg which, stole it for which, hook right you know, no, I'm- <laughs> well again th- th- there's a movie that drops far off the map even steven spielberg's like i hated that movie yeah <laughs> i made that movie but oh boy yeah i think i think that actually, was a wrong turn. i think mad max Can't beyond thunderdome i think yeah i think mad max beyond thunderdome was a better version of hook to be honest with you which i might be funny that's I'm, a weird metric man i might be funny i think I'm it's not a better saying version. that says a lot for uh, it, it, it so basically yeah. they end up but basically they have to go back to the town to right. see if they can get their hands on the master blaster to get their hands on some equipment so they can actually get the hell out of there and get to wherever salvage or sanctuary wherever it is they've let's got to get, get out of here which we basically gotta, it's it's you you yeah, finally realize anywhere but here the frisian kick of the movie realizing when they finally get to the tanks when they finally get to the cars when they get to the train when they get to all of that you're like okay now we got ourselves a mad max movie right there is a moment in that movie where the mad max movie kicks in but it's weird because the first half of it isn't a mad max movie is it i you know i think this is where it really it got hollywoody i i think this is one of the things george had more money he's lost his his creative partner byron kennedy and you know he brings in one of the uh, uh one of the producers george um george ogilvy who who just absolutely isn't byron you know he's just not he's not the crazy lunacy that that helped invent Mad Max. And I think they threw a lot of, um, it becomes a PG 13 movie it's rather death. than the, the hard R that road warrior is, you know, that there, there's something desolate about road warrior. And then you, you jump into beyond Thunderdome <laughs> and there's just all of this kind of, Candy, you get the world, you get Tina Turner, you get a saxophone for some reason, you know, you, you, know get, the road you get Iron is? Bar, Angry Anderson, who's just this little bitty guy that's, well, at least he's bigger than Master, but but he's got, you know, a, a, a geisha head that he's wearing on top of him just to make him like 
I don't know, five foot eight. <laughs> well, the thing is, too, is that, you know, the thing about the Road Warrior is, and we've said this before on the show, Dave, is the Road Warrior falls very much under the category of HBO will show this feature only at night. <laughs> It really falls in that category where what you end up happening, people don't realize, is that it is Red Dawn changes everything because what you get is um, you get the, the the parental outcry of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom where it was rated PG. Sure, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And there was a and parental outcry. And chilled monkey brains and Chilled monkey brains out. and hearts getting torn out of right. chest and all that. And so they invent the PG-13 mm-hmm. thinking, thinking what they will do is they will allow um, a, a more kind of sophisticated adult film that falls someplace in between. And what they end up getting instead is Hollywood becomes PG-13 really is the ball game because yeah. PG-13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where they start aiming for everything. Because everything right, right, right. becomes the sweet spot. You still spot. want that teenager market, man. You want that they're, teenager they're, they're the market. ones that have some money now and you know, mom and dad want them out of the house. I think something too sometimes that gets missed is that the, uh, the narrative is so spare in something like Road Warrior. Mm-hmm. It's that when you don't have backstory, when you don't have thoughtful plotting, when every setup doesn't pay off in a way that is predictable or understandable or that you can, you can follow. I mean, I think, you know, overdevelopment in movies is a problem where everything has to take a certain shape and you Start to, I think that's a problem with this movie. You start to yeah, understand yeah, yeah. that uh, that uh, every single thing you see is a setup for something that will have a payoff, and all of those things will uh, lend themselves to some enjoyment where the audience is concerned, and it can become very calculated, but could also feel pretty safe. And there's something about a movie that is so spare in its plotting uh, that the character arcs are there, but they're they're not indulged in. They're sort of uh, that you have to search for them. You have to sit on a close up from oh, you know of Mel for a minute to really wonder what's going on exactly inside of him. That uh, it can feel um, uh, chaotic. It yeah. can carry right, the right, unpredictability right. of the universe in it, and that makes everything in the movie feel more dangerous. Thanks for listening to a preview of this episode of Cargo Cult. Like what you heard? Hear more from Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn exclusively on the SiriusXM app. Subscribe today at SiriusXM.com.